Where were you on the day that America lost its innocence? Today marks yet another anniversary of the September 11th attacks on America. Many of us lost friends, colleagues, and loved ones that day. Others still suffer enduring scars, both physical and mental, which are constant reminders of the act of cowardice that altered our nation's fiber, stripped us of so many of our freedoms, and forever changed our perceptions of the American way of life. Many of you listening were way too young to remember what happened that day, and far too many who vowed they would never forget have done just that. Aside from those who witnessed the events firsthand and the families of those whose loved ones were killed and maimed that day, it seems our collective memories, like bumper-sticker platitudes, have all but faded away. My production team and I have been digging through what's left of the archives of that day to bring you a, well, let's just say, not-so-subtle reminder. It's a short audio documentary we're calling Innocence Lost. I encourage you to share it with your friends and with your children and grandchildren in the years to come. Let it serve as a record of truth of the events of that day, which have all been but eroded in our current era of censorship and political correctness. But I warn you, this piece is raw, real, filled with emotion, and completely uncensored. Like much of life, it's not for the faint of heart. So listener discretion is advised. And now, Counterthink Media and Alexander Berardi Productions present Innocence Lost. Miles and miles of sunshine today, nice as it can be across the Northeast. Uh, rough seas still uh, from, uh, uh, from the chop from that hurricane, but other than that, it's kind of quiet around the country. We like quiet. It's quiet. It's too quiet. Around 8.45 a.m., the people along the west side of Manhattan heard a piercing whine of a jumbo jet making its way down the Hudson River. Those who witnessed the scene instinctively realized everything about it was wrong. Heading down an airway normally reserved for northbound VFR traffic, it was much too big, traveling much too fast, and much too low. Nearly 500 miles per hour, at an altitude of just 900 feet, more than twice the speed permitted for an aircraft flying that low. It took less than 90 seconds for American Flight 11 to travel the entire length of the island of Manhattan. A little after 8.46 a.m., the huge aircraft weighing 283,600 pounds traveling at 465 miles per hour, carrying approximately 10,000 gallons of fuel, flashed across the remaining 20 blocks from Canal Street to the World Trade Center. And tore through the massive North Tower between the 93rd and 99th floors, killing all on board and wreaking incomprehensible carnage across the six full floors of the building. I heard the bang. I thought it was thunder. So he goes, look outside. I looked outside. I said, holy, it looks like a plane hit it or something. Battalion Chief Pfeiffer made the first official report. We have a number of floors on fire. 
it looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Transmit a third alarm. We'll have the staging area at Vesey and West Street. As we swung around in front of World Trade, my mind tells me, wow, this is, this is bad. The impact severs 47 of the building's critical perimeter support columns and damages another two. Rivers of burning jet fuel pour out of the severed wings down the elevator shafts to the floor below, incinerating anything and anyone caught in its path. Smoke, fire, and wreckage cutting off all escape routes for those in or above the impact zone. Although all the levels were designed to be smoke and fire resistant, blindingly thick plumes of acrid smoke ripped their way through the remaining upper floors in minutes, making it almost impossible for those trapped inside to see or breathe. Witnesses on the upper floor of the South Tower we're stunned to see a wall of flames burst through the windows of the North Tower, less than 130 feet away, followed by a shower of disintegrating desks, files, computers, airplane parts, and burning bodies. If you were in the floors below, you saw the ceilings cave in. You saw the glint of the airplane as it impacted the building and you felt the shockwaves ripple through the building as it physically moved off axis, swaying over 20 feet in each direction. Close to the impact zone, there were people who lived for long, horrific minutes as they sought refuge from the smoke and flames and scorching heat. Many, in the last few moments of their lives, had the presence of mind to phone their loved ones or made desperate calls for help that would never come. Good morning, Mother of God. Hey, can you have a good morning? Have a good day? Hi, what's your again, please? Hey, can you have a good day? Hey, can you have a good day? I'm on the 83rd floor. Hey, can you have a good day? Hey, can you have a good day? Hey, can you have a good day? Someone having difficulty breathing on the 83rd floor. Hey, ma'am, how you doing? Is it, is it, is, are they going to be able to get somebody up here? Well, of course, ma'am. We're coming up to you. Well, there's no one here yet, and the floor is completely engulfed. We're on the floor, and we can't breathe. Okay. And it's very, very, very hot. It's very, is it, are the lights still on? The lights are on, but it's very hot. Ma'am, ma'am. Very hot. We're all the way on the other side of Liberty, and it's very, very hot. Are you lights, did you turn the lights off? No. No, the lights are off. Okay, good. So how many people where you're at right now? Five people here with me. All up from the 83rd floor. 83rd floor. Everybody's having trouble breathing? Everybody's having trouble breathing. Some people are worse. Some people are unconscious. Everybody's awake. No fire for now and no smoke, right? No smoke, right? Of course there's smoke! Ma'am, ma'am, you have to stay calm. There is smoke! I can't breathe! Okay, you stay calm with me, okay? I understand. I think there is fire because it's very hot! Okay. It's very hot everywhere on the floor. Okay. I know you don't see it, and I know, but we, I'm going to document, I'm documenting what you say, okay? It's very hot. I will see no fire, but you see smoke, right? It's very hot. I see, I don't okay. see any air anymore. Okay. All I see is smoke. Okay, dear, I'm so sorry. Hold on one, stay calm with me, stay calm. Now, Please. Just, uh, listen, listen, the call is in, I'm documenting, I'm going to let them, 
Hold on one second, please. I'm going to die, aren't I? No, 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 no. Say you're going to die. Ma'am, ma'am, say your prayers. And we're not going to die. We're going to think positive because you got to help each other get off the floor. Now, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. You're doing a good job, ma'am. You're doing a good job. It's so hot. I'm burning up. Oh, my God. I By 8.55, an army of firemen, police, emergency service personnel, and government officials, including the mayor himself, were rushing to the scene in Lower Manhattan. They were followed by another army, of almost equal size, of television news crews, cameramen, photographers, and reporters, as the apparatus of the largest media operation in the world focused their attention on the events unfolding in a small 16-acre plot of ground in the largest city in America. At 9.02 a.m., little more than 15 minutes after the initial attack, while millions of people in the New York metropolitan region and tens of millions of television viewers across the world were staring intently at the smoldering icon of the New York skyline. A dark shape appeared over the skyline of New Jersey and came hurtling across the Statue of Liberty in the Upper Bay. Freelance cameraman Steve Vigilante captured those astounding next few moments on tape. Holy shit, Martin. No! That's the other building. That's terrorist. Other building? That's terrorist, bro. That's fucking terrorist. Holy shit. Oh, my God. That's terrorist, bro. According to Seismic Records, at precisely 902.54, as millions watched, United 175 slammed into the South Tower, cutting a swath through floors 77 to 85 of the 110-story building instantly killing all on board and over a hundred more inside as it tore its way through. By then, the first teams of firefighters and emergency workers had already arrived at the base of the North Tower where they were greeted by a scene of horror and devastation that defied the imagination. On the Austin Tobin Plaza, there were burning corpses everywhere the mangled bodies of men and women that had already fallen or jumped from the upper floors of the building, and the charred remains of the passengers of Flight 11, some still belted in their seats. 1,000 feet above, in the upper reaches of the towers themselves, there was a clearly marked delineation between life and death. In the North Tower, the plane struck in the center, and because the burning jet fuel went immediately down the shafts, it created a more intense and fiercely smoky fire. Those trapped on the floors above were cut off from any hope of escape. And because they had nowhere to go, 
People broke out windows, desperate to get air. People were stacked four and five high, hanging out of the windows, just trying to breathe. Others, having already climbed out of the windows, clung to each other and to the metal on the outside of the building. And then, one by one, to the absolute horror of those looking on, they began to fall and jump to their deaths. About 15 minutes ago, bodies started dropping from the top floors of the uh, tower closest to the highway, and uh, it, was, it was absolutely terrible. Obviously, they had two choices, to be burned into, in flames or to uh, leap and end it all. By 9.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, ordinary life in New York City had all but ceased as millions of New Yorkers and billions more around the world looked on in shock and disbelief. But the horrors of that day were nowhere close to being over. The World Trade said that tower number one is on fire. The whole outside of the building was just had every available ambulance. The World Trade Center now. And a person comes running into the office I say an explosion, explosion, explosion. His skin was pulled all from his armpits all the way to the top of the fingertips and pieces missing off his face. He says he's at the 105th floor at One World Trade Center. The windows of the world. I am on the 100th floor of the World Trade Center with 30 people, northeast corner. Okay, you, let me get to, you at 100 floor? 100 floor northeast, 30 people in the corner. The smoke is very bad. Message number 51 concludes 0800, 56 minutes and 12 seconds. American 11, climbing, take a level 350. American 11, Boston. Earth 7, Mike Lima, how do you hear? Mike Lima, has you loud and clear? American 11, Boston. Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number 3 on flight 11. Okay. Um, the cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mace that we can't breathe. I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, I can please or acknowledge. American 11, Boston. American 11, if you hear Boston Center, I den. I just weapon, Sergeant Powell. All right, Boston Center, TMU, we have a, a problem here. We have a hijacked aircraft headed towards New York, and we need you guys to, we need someone to scramble some S-16s or something up there to help us out. Is this, is this real world or exercise? No, this is not an exercise manifest. Okay, I think we need to scramble Langley right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the fighters from Otis and try to chase this guy down if I can find him. Foxy, scramble Langley, head towards the Washington area. Approach. Hey, this is Dulles Approach Control. We're tracking a fast-moving primary heading towards the White House. The White House has been advised. All right, I'll tell them. Okay, okay I'll keep you advised. Thanks very much. Hey, Tower, did you see that? Hello? Crystal City, just north of Crystal City. Uh, just to the north of your tower. Just please. Do, you hear me? Do, that. Do that. Do you hear me? Yeah, stop all the parchers. Okay. 
Yeah, it went in the Pentagon. Looks like it went in the Pentagon. What we have is of a fire and smoke at the Pentagon. United 93, wind 3307, runway 4 left, clip for takeoff. For takeoff, 4 left, United 93. United 93, that traffic three is 1 o'clock, 12 miles eastbound, 370. Negative contact, we're looking, United 93. Somebody call Cleveland. United 93, verify 350. United 93, verify your credible uh, 350. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, Cleveland. United 93, if you're at Cleveland Center, I'd have place. Alpha, Glenn, um, I only have a minute. I'm on United 93, and it's been hijacked uh, by terrorists who say they have a bomb. Apparently, they uh, have flown a couple of planes into the World Trade Center already, and it looks like they're going to take this one down as well. Mostly, I just wanted to say I love you, and I'm going to miss you. <laughs> United 1523, did you hear your company, uh, did you hear uh, some interference on the frequency here uh, a couple of minutes ago, screaming? Yes, I did, 797, and uh, I, we couldn't tell what it was either. Okay. United 93, Cleveland, if you hear the center, right then. American 1060, you heard that also? Yes, sir, twice. Roger, we heard that also, thanks. I just wanted to confirm it wasn't some interference. Okay, yeah, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. I got the piece to keep remaining city. We have a ball board. So it's was that United 93? Yeah, that transition he said was unreasonable. It sounded like someone said they have a bomb on board. That's what we thought. We just, uh, we, we, did, we didn't get it clear. Do you see any, uh, activity on your right side, smoke or anything like that? Yeah, we do have a smoke puff now at about, uh, oh, probably 2 o'clock. It appears to be just a uh, dark cloud, like a puff of black smoke. Receiving report of a 757, uh, 15 miles southwest of the airport with a terroristic device on board. Street chief, uh, they're advising the plane went down in the Shanksville area. Another plane has crashed this one about 80 miles south of Pittsburgh. These are the first pictures we have in. Uh, this is from Somerset County, Pennsylvania. This is where the United Airlines Flight 93, this was a Boeing 757 bound from Newark, New Jersey to San Francisco. It crashed in Somerset County, Pennsylvania near the town of Shanksville. 
south of Pittsburgh. We are told about 80 miles outside of Pittsburgh. Noise coming from it, but the engines were running. Um, I then saw the plane coming down at almost a 90 degree angle, maybe an 80 degree angle. And the next thing I saw was a big fireball and smoke. When it come down over top of me, I seen it go nosedive straight into the ground down here. We heard this noise in the sky. My friend and I looked up and uh, said, what's that? And uh, just going over, basically over our uh, horizon of the hill was this plane. It was completely upside down is what it was. Uh, the tail fin was down and it was going in at a sharp ascent, probably more than a 45 degree angle, closer to a 90 degree angle. Next thing was over the horizon, there was a big, huge fireball. So what it was, I'd say at least four or 500 feet in the air, fireball. The debris here is spread over a three to four mile radius, which has now been completely sealed off and is being treated, according to the FBI, as a crime scene. This is one of those cases where the pictures really do tell the story that sort of the most horrifying aspect of this particular crash scene is how little debris is visible. There is a large crater in the ground that's really all you see is a large crater in the ground and, and just tiny, tiny bits of debris. There has been at least one report that the uh, investigators out there, and there are hundreds of them, as I said tonight, um, have found nothing larger than a phone book. When I took the call over, there was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me, Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. I wanted him to think that he still had a chance. I didn't want him to feel like it was just totally hopeless and he definitely didn't have a choice and he knew he was going to die. I didn't want him to have that feeling. I felt that he knew at that time because he had said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready, I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. Meow. What is that? 
You know, wokeness equal weakness, okay. and weakness invites aggression. Nice. Just like the way we ran out of Afghanistan. Yes, we did. And everything else we're doing in this country and in the world right now. And, you know, when you have a liberal like Bill Maher coming out against this administration and the woke people, I think we're onto something here. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. I'll believe it when I truly see it happen. I know, but I just see them attacking and eating their own. And, you know, it's funny because the president doesn't know how to respond to these attacks because no, they're he, used to having the corporate media, you know, they could do no harm, no wrong, right? This guy doesn't know how to respond to a change in breakfast cereal. He, he doesn't, he's not. Uh, he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. He's not pinging. Anymore, back and <laughs> He's forth. Not pinging, right? yes. Not pinging. <laughs> so listen to this. Uh, Bill Maher, I, I don't watch his show, but I read this on uh, uh, one of the uh, news channels. Uh, Real-time host Bill Maher said that one of the lessons from the situation in Afghanistan is that Americans should have perspective about their own country, and despite the tenet of woke ideology that America is rotten to the core, no one here tries to escape by hanging onto an airplane. Right. All right. He goes, there's a reason Afghan mothers are handing their babies to our soldiers to try Throwing to get them, them to over America. the Constantina wire. Correct. Yeah. We don't see that happen in Central Park very much. You know, Mar said, blind hatred of America is just as bad as blind love. And we Americans should really get some perspective about where we live. Watching the shit go down in Afghanistan, I was reminded lately of every conversation I've ever had with an immigrant, almost all of which, if we really got to talking, included the notion, oh, you people have no idea. All you do is right. bitch about and yep. badmouth your own country. Yep. But if you knew about the country I'd come from, you'd stop shitting on your own. That's exactly what we've been saying for years and years and years. You and I have been around the world, and most people haven't been to the countries that we've been to and seen conditions that we've seen and come home and literally got off and kissed the ground, yes. thanking God that we are born American. I've been to third world and emerging third world countries, and I definitely approve that message. So he wrote that, he added that, I have never been a rah-rah American type, and in fact have often made fun of Republicans in the past for being overly sentimental. But liberals, as usual in this era, have now gone too far in the other direction. They under-romanticize America. They have no perspective. Last week, the Taliban murdered a comedian. His name was Nazar Muhammad, and he made up funny songs on TikTok. They forced him into a car, tortured him, and then executed him. A comedian. A thing like that hits a little close to home for me. I've had two presidents up my rear. I mean, neither experience was pleasant, but I didn't have to worry about being dragged until I'm dead in a Toyota Tacoma. Yeah, right. He wrote, have a little perspective about the stuff we howl about here. I'm sorry your professor said something you didn't like. That won't be a problem with the Taliban because you're not allowed to go to school. Right. So the next thing he wrote is, Mar further stated, if you think America is irredeemable, 
turn on the news or get a passport, turn on the news or get a passport and a ticket on one of those sketchy airlines that puts its web address on the plane. There's a reason Afghan mothers are handing their babies to us and we should take them. Americans right now should take in Afghan refugees into their homes and into their neighborhoods. And I'm sure everyone who just clapped is thinking the same thing. Yes, someone who isn't me should definitely do that. Right. Right. Because you know they're not dropping any refugees in Martha's Vineyard, right? Yeah, exactly okay. right. Yeah, right. Uh, or Beverly Hills. Yeah, or to the yeah, or to Nancy Pelosi outside Nancy Pelosi's door. Or Jupiter Island, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But yeah. that he goes. But that doesn't make us the bad guys. We're not the bad guys. Oppression is what we were trying to stop in Afghanistan. We failed. But any immigrant will tell you we've largely succeeded here. And yet the overriding thrust of current woke ideology is that America is rotten to the core irredeemably racist from the moment it was founded and so oppressive sexist and homophobic he goes hell we can't even find a host for the oscars oscars or jeopardy <laughs> he goes I'm, I'm sure you heard the new jeopardy guy is out because he said boobies in 2014 <laughs> he goes and this is where your new afghani roommates that you took in will prove so valuable because they'll turn to you and say, have you people lost your effing minds? Yeah. Have you ever heard of honor killings, public beheadings, throwing gay men off roofs, arranged marriages to minors, state-sanctioned wife-beating, female genital mutilation, marriage by capture? Because we have. What's the lesson of Afghanistan? Maybe it's that everyone from the giant dorm room bitch session that the inter that is the internet should take a good look at what real oppression looks like. Yeah. America may not be the country of your faculty lounge and Twitter dreams, but no one here tries to escape by hanging onto an airplane. I, I cannot be better said, Sandy. No, absolutely. All right, right. everybody should read that and think about it fifteen times, and all of these woke weak sissies should wake up okay i hear That's he what got a lot become. of shit because of that too. oh my god they attacked him the social yeah. media attacks him, like he's a sellout or something but they don't realize there's right. nobody trying to escape this country That's right there's nobody we've said it for years and years and years there's nobody off the coast of key west hopping onto old uh tubs with uh makeshift uh, uh, oars and rowing over to havana you're, you know, you'll see that never. I talk all the time about the three tiers. The district attorney, Cyrus Vance, they have declined. I'm sorry, Bronx DA, Darcel Clark. I'm sorry. Darcel Clark, she declined 6,500 cases and let felons go scot free. <laughs> okay? She let 65 felons go free, refuse to prosecute cases. You're going to tell me all of them were innocent? Okay. This is what's happening now. This is yeah. big. Why? Because these felons, they're the second tier. Yeah. All right? right. They're the criminals. You want more proof of it? Remember we talked about Big Bird de Blasio wanting to pay people $1,000 a month not to commit crimes? Right. Yeah, yeah. How about San Francisco just adopted a program? <laughs> $300 a month if you don't shoot people. <laughs> Hey, so if we go there and don't shoot anyone, do we get the 300? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's a pilot program right now. It's paying 10 people, 10 lucky gangbangers. $300 a month. A month. 10 of them right now are getting paid $300 a month not to shoot anybody. You can't. This sounds like something from The Onion. 
So basically, this is like what a hijackers and hostage program, or so. How does like how does this work? What? Like, <laughs> and where's the proof that you didn't? And what is three hundred bucks to a gangbanger? They'll pay you three hundred dollars a month each, uh, not to great. be involved in shootings. Davis no. explained that the program is not transactional, but will rather focus on making oh. investments in communities most impacted by violence. I see. So it's not transactional. So they can still collect the three hundred dollars and still shoot people, just not You're, go to jail. Wait, wait, wait! You're gonna love this. This is what people talk about at their dinner parties and cocktail parties in the Hamptons and Martha's yeah, Vineyard, yeah, where, know, where, 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 by the yeah. way, the one million South yeah. American refugees that came in illegally and the 150,000 Afghani refugees will not be going to Martha's Vineyard or the Hamptons by the way they'll be in your backyard and they'll be a, and they'll be a burden on your tax base right. all right and taking jobs from you and your kids yeah all right you ready this is how utopia works participants murderers will be paired with life coaches <laughs> From the City Street Great. Violence Intervention Program. Oh, life coaches. Wait, and they will be considered community ambassadors. Oh, the life coach or the gangbanger? The gangbanger oh, is a community he, ambassador. A, oh, I see. This is an alternate universe upon alternate universes. And they will work on their professional, personal, <laughs> and community development. Some, I want to meet the asshole who wrote the mission statement for wait, them. Wait. And they will be thought of as partners of course they will. in engaging community members in decreasing <laughs> violence. Of course they will. In in, in the land of unicorns and rainbows. This is a wonderful place. Davis hopes the program will engage participants. He hopes. <laughs> yeah, make them more civic-minded and allow them to be a part of the solution. In the long term, she hopes it will create safer communities. I hope she doesn't go down in those communities because she's going to get shot in the ass. Right, right. And they also so, so hope wait. to eat coal and crap diamonds too, so... So I love I love how they write this. It's being funded through the Dreamkeeper Initiative, well, which is which, what? which is San Francisco's effort to redirect funding into the black community. Uh -huh. The initiative supports a variety of programs, including an art complex, youth development and education, guaranteed income programs, and homeowner promotion. Now, homeowner promotion, art complex, youth development, education, I'm all for that. Paying somebody not to shoot people and calling them an ambassador, I'm not for that. Home ownership program in San Francisco where the average home price is like $2.5 million? Yeah, it's, it's farce. You know, now every one of those programs, you know, has a director, a deputy oh, director, yeah. oh, assistant, so assistant director. De assistant deputy director. They all have cars. They oh, all have easy pass. They oh, all have absolutely. gas. They all have insurance. Yep. Vacation, sick time, personal time, this time, oh, that time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but wait, so not to be outdone. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Just when you thought it was safe to go in the water. Okay, this was in the in the post. Yeah. All right. We have a uh, a woman, a socialist candidate that's running in New York, named Tiffany Caban. C a. How do you pronounce C a b n y with the a with the thing and Caban Caban Caban. So Tiffany Cabian, Juan, Juan Newsom just gave me a, a thing in there. Just, so okay. she wants to woke New York City Democrat wants to make crime victims <clears throat> help their attackers. Oh, they already did help their attackers uh, uh, by giving them money. 
So you ready? We're giving yes. So she wrote up a 48-page manifesto. Of course, there you go. And it will strip cops and judges of their basic law enforcement roles. Communities, and this woman is adamant about this. She's out there preaching this left and right. Communities will be empowered to develop individualized strategies to help heal wounds of violence rather than being forced to rely on policing and prisons. Her plan, you've got to love this title, a new vision of public safety for New York City. So it posts a scenario in which the victim of a violent mugging would be largely responsible for deciding the fate of their assailant. So, the kumbaya-style idea doesn't include actually getting the assailant off the streets with the goals of protecting others, okay? Example of use, a person is beat up, suffers a broken rib, and is robbed of his wallet. First, his needs are heard and affirmed, and he works with trained staff to develop a services and healing plan, her proposal (laughs) reads. Then, when he is ready... Wait, there's more. He participates in restorative justice circles with the person who what harmed kind him. Of liberal jibber jabber. This is what happens when people receive too much education and come out with a PhD in idiocy. So the victim asks questions, get answers, and the victim helps develop an accountability and consequences plan. Oh, a plan. And a more plan. These are like these all these nonprofits I've worked with over the years and these NGOs who come up with these twenty five and thirty five year plans and they and they have meetings about twenty five year plans. And it's all jibber jabber. So the guy who's running against her, Councilman Robert Holden, he says unless this Mrs. Caban is running to represent the Twilight Zone, it sounds <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she needs to participate in a restorative reality circle. Yeah, right. Or a drum circle, one or the he, other. He wrote, our, and this is a Democrat, he wrote, our city and state already help criminals enough as it is without insane ideas like this. He goes, it's not a plan for anything but total chaos and yet another denial of the absolutely essential role the police, courts, and incarceration play in our society. He goes, this is insane. Woke socialists need to wake up. Who who declined? Uh, this was another one who declined to be named. If they get their way, New York City will have to build more prisons just to house and keep law-abiding citizens safe from the criminals <laughs> that sleepy wokers want to be free to roam our communities. Hit the nail right on the head. Oh, absolutely okay? right. Yeah. Apparently, there are no more victims' rights anywhere in New York City. If this keeps on going the way it's going, eventually this is all going to backfire, he said. You cannot keep on disrespecting victims and their families because you think it's going to better society or this utopian idea. Another one wrote, I thought this was from The Onion or The Babylon Bee when I read her proposal. Oh, no, really? It does sound like it. So wait, so the, the New York Post called her and she answered the phone. And Cabana explained that the mindset behind her holistic approach (laughs) is creating options for victims in addition to the prevailing criminal justice system, which she maintained is ineffective as as preventing recidivism. All right. Oh. Are you kidding me? You're so, so a rape victim is going to sit across from her attacker, oh, sure. and they're going to have a roundtable discussion, yeah. oh, and, right. and she's going to help decide what the person's fate. So they're going to say, rapist, what do you think you should get? I, I think I should get a 30-day suspended sentence. Person who was raped, what do you think you should get? I think you should be 
uh, uh, surgically castrated and you should be locked in a stockade in the middle of town and have people poop and urinate on you for the rest of your life until you die. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get a mediator to meet in the middle. We're going to give them 30-day suspended sentence, $200 fine, and we're going to put them on welfare. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll uh, create a new... Uh, social program and a basketball court and you young lady do not walk in bad neighborhoods right. and don't dress like don't you were asking dress for like it that ever again yeah that's that's what it's coming mm -hmm. down to here and that's what it's coming down to it's disgusting it is disgusting you know if this woman ever got out of her bubble and was the victim of a violent crime god forbid i bet you she would change her perspective yeah i bet you she would change her perspective I can't believe this stuff. I can't. That's I just, just can't. I, you can't make this stuff up. No, you really can't. You, anyway. Uh, okay. So let me move on. I was so disgusted when I, when I read that. Last week I reported that we're a banana republic. Now we do not have uh, three branches of government anymore, right? Right. I, and I was pretty adamant about that, right? Because Joe Biden with the... Uh, with what, what the uh, uh, remain in Mexico and the, mm -hmm. uh, the moratorium on uh, landlord eviction moratorium. He says, well, we're going to do it anyway, right? Right. Right. Yep. That's what they said. They were going to do it anyway. Uh, and then the Supreme Court came in and said, uh, no, you're not going to do it anyway. Well, now the Supreme Court came out and said that you evictions can start again, right? Merrick Garland, who is the U.S. Attorney General, made a public and written statement he has summoned the entire legal community to help prevent evictions in defiance of the Supreme Court's decision. So now you have the highest law enforcement legal officer reporting to the President of the United States, the executive branch, telling all lawyers out there in the entire legal community to figure out a way to work around the Supreme Court's supreme ruling. And this guy could have been a Supreme Court justice. He was almost a Supreme Court justice, exactly. So this is what we have now. The legislators don't legislate. Again, everybody says, if I had the job, I'd be doing a better job. Meanwhile, nobody does shit, right? The president says, I can't do anything because of Congress. Congress, I can't do anything because of the president. The Supreme Court is balking us, this thing, that thing. So the Supreme Court, which is kind of tough for us, the Remain in Mexico was a 6-3. The eviction thing was a 6-3. And this Texas abortion thing, which I'm not following, was a 5-4. So, again, I'm only, I'm only concerned about getting our case or Corlett case over the finish line this November for a ruling in the spring but this goes to show you where in what 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 spot in the United States in place of history now where we have the executive branch twice now outwardly defying the judicial branch you, you can't and again this is why I'm not a big fan of, of executive orders either yes exactly an executive right. order should be something in a dire emergency that needs to be done right away it should expire after 30 or 60 days and not be able to be done again because then Congress could, should get off their ass and make a law and for the president to sign our veto right or modify pocket veto is not a bad thing and we could debate that all day but where we are right now all we have is finger pointing what do you call it a self-licking ice cream cone Yes, right. It, we're, we're way out there. Now, you haven't heard anything from uh, uh, Chipmunk's uh, ATF nomination, have you? No. 
Yeah. It's been four months now. Yeah. It hasn't been brought up anymore because I think it's dead. So there is no head of the ATF right now. But let's hope that Chipman doesn't get into the ATF because he's the most anti-gun uh, person we could ever want heading the ATF. Probably completely bought and sold by Mom's Demand and Every Town and Bloomy and, and all of that other stuff. So uh, let's cross our fingers and cross our toes for that. But now we have to worry about this again. Two years ago, Donald Trump took us off the UN Global Gun Registration, the Small Arms Treaty. Biden is ready to re-sign the Small Arms Treaty with the United Nations again. Of course. These globalists. Of course. You wonder why both sides hated Trump so much. Yeah, exactly right. right. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. So it looks like uh, they're negotiating again that the they want to this came from the direct direct from the nra in um institute for legislative action it looks like the uh, global uh, gun registration is coming back again maybe uh, some of these 10 or 11 million new gun owners will realize this is not a good idea either maybe we will get some more support from the outliers who think that it's a good idea for the united nations to have a list of every gun that's registered i mean it flies in the face of our constitution right yeah yeah uh but you know, look at the administration we have. They really know no bounds when it comes to breaking the law. I mean, we left about 200 people in Afghanistan. We left kids in Afghanistan that are pretty much people are trapped there now, right? They're flying Blackhawk helicopters with bodies hanging from them. They're going door to door, kicking in doors and having public executions and whatnot. So, I mean, uh, where are we going? Right. I mean, where are we going? Right. You know, nobody cares. No, nobody, nobody really, really cares. And uh, I'm just wondering how I could get uh, like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars a month not to shoot anybody. <laughs> do I have to actually shoot somebody first to be put on the radar for that? I think you probably do. That's got to be a requisite for it because otherwise, everyone in San Francisco who is actually law-abiding would be getting three hundred dollars a month. How about giving it to those uh, to the poor old people who have to try to live on Social Security? How about that? Uh, no, that's not going to happen. I wonder how much everybody coming across the southern border oh, and all yeah, the people well, we airlift them from Afghanistan, how much you think their package is going to be worth a month? Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be quite sizable, I would believe. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be what we would get. No, but, no, no, no. But again, we are the third tier, baby. Since Social Security, apparently I heard today, is going to be broke by 2026. Oh, yeah, Social Security is almost done. Yeah. You know, there's a new initiative coming out. Um, with 401ks. I don't know if you know that, Sandy. All companies are going to be uh, forced to offer a 401k. And uh, the government rolled this out. And what it's going to be is if you hire a new person, they're going to automatically be enrolled for like 3 or 4% 401k pre-tax dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And then they could go online and unenroll. But everybody's going to be automatically enrolled because the government is hoping some people will follow that investment and let's face it most of the time 401k is good because it's pre-tax dollars right right yeah uh so yeah we have to do that it was supposed to start later this year it was just pushed out i think until next year uh and if you don't offer it to your employees we're gonna have to pay the management and you know fees and everything for it but if you don't offer it to your employees then the government will offer it and you have to pay for it not pay for the the, the money being donated, uh the money being uh, invested but you have to pay uh the government's administrative fees <laughs> yep <laughs> which we know are going to be just just very economical yeah but 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 they have to do something because i mean come on when when they signed this infrastructure and they signed this oh, other these other things God. we're done 
we're done. We're, we're done, done now. We're done now, and we're, we're, we're looked upon as so weak in the, in the yeah, world stage right now. That is the worst part of it all, isn't it? Yeah, we don't have many allies. If I was Taiwan, I'd be really no. nervous right now. Yeah, we have. Uh, I, I think the only ally we'll end up with at the end of this is the uh, Taliban, as what's his name says. Yeah, Taliban. Taliban. And if I was uh, South Korea, I'd be worried right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, so another one out of uh, New York, New York Post. Black women seeing guns as protection from rising crime. Like, we didn't know this already. Yeah, right. All right? Uh, so a firearms instructor, Wayne Thomas, who I met a couple of times, by the way, from Recoil Firearms in Taylor, Michigan, they interviewed him, all right? And uh, he offers a free gun safety program. And in a couple of weeks, he had over 1,000 African-American women sign up for his class. Over 1,000. Oh, my God. I could not be any happier when I read stuff like that, okay? Yeah, I I, I, just, I could not be any happier about that. So in 2020, they, uh, they estimated between 8.5 and 10 million people bought their first firearm, okay? By the, this is data from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And the purchases by black men and black women increased 58% over the first six months of last year. This For us people in the gun industry, for someone like me that's been a Second Amendment advocate all my life, to see this much growth, it's just it's just phenomenal, right? I, I mean, it it doesn't get it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, I, I I I'm just so happy that there's so many minorities coming out, so many females coming out, uh, and you know the media did it to themselves, the media and the politicians with all their anti-gun rhetoric and paying people not to shoot people and not imprisoning people and bail reform and catch and release and everything. Just just played right into it. And uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, our fellow uh, patriotic brothers to the north uh, in Connecticut, they're going through the same problems we were going through, uh, where, uh, you know. Uh, you, they have unreasonable delays in getting their firearms permits now because Connecticut's taking a turn to becoming very, very anti-gun. Yeah. Uh, they're suing. They started doing like we did. They're suing a select few cities for the unreasonable delays. And I think it's phenomenal that they're, that they're doing that. You know, we have our uh, list of cases that we have going on in New Jersey. For a lot of people that don't know, I'm going to uh, be going over some of them. John Petrolino published the thing because, you know, I'm so tired. We always, we're always getting beat up that we don't do anything in New Jersey, right? Remember those days? We don't do anything in New Jersey. Nobody does anything in New Jersey for the two-way rights of people. We just all sit around and wait. Where people that are listening to this, they don't realize how much work is involved in just holding the line and the deals that go on and, and funding the cases, okay? So Petrolino did a, a, a great article for uh, Emmoland, and it was uh, 2021 New Jersey Second Amendment Litigation Roundup. We're coming for you, New Jersey. And he just did a quick roundup. And it's, it's really, really good, and I wanted to thank John uh, for it. And, uh, you know, he has a couple of cases. Uh, we have Carry Case, the permitting case, which is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, and New York case. Uh, we've had in the past, remember, Gruel case, Rogers case, Cheeseman case, on and on and on. But new cases right now. We have right now, we have Russell versus New Jersey was filed at the U.S. Supreme Court and waiting to hear if it's granted or denied cert. This is from the Knappen Law Firm, Evan and Lewis Knappen 
filed a brief. This is another carry permit case that's waiting at the Supreme Court right now. Then we have Francisco versus Cook, which was filed in the U.S. District Court for the state of New Jersey. This case was filed by uh, attorney Palazic and is being supported by the Firearms Policy Coalition. And it involves two plaintiffs, Daniel Francisco, who used to be a platinum member of the range, but he moved to Central Jersey, and Ori Katzen, who's a gold member of oh, the oh, range. Yeah. And they're challenging the justifiable need. Uh, then we have uh, Kendrick versus Gruel. This was filed in the U.S. District Court for the state of New Jersey, but Dan Schmutter, David Jensen, and Et Al. And uh, this is a uh, this was the case for the scheme for the uh, uh, permits and the waiting. This is ANGRPC, New Jersey Second Amendment Society, Coalition New Jersey Firearms Owners, Firearms Policy Coalition, Coalition and the Second Amendment uh, Foundation. Then we have the Ten Round Magazine ban which was with uh, Gruel, and it was filed at the Supreme Court of the United States, and we're waiting to hear if it's granted or denied cert. And then we have Greco versus Gruel, which is the red flag lack of due process that was filed in the Third Circuit Court of Appeal. All right, so <laughs> listen, one, two, three, four, five, six cases. Supreme Court, U.S. District Court, U.S. District Court, Supreme Court, Third Circuit, Supreme Court. Six cases. Don't t let anybody tell you we're not doing anything in the state of New Jersey. Amen. Are you still fighting crime the old-fashioned way? Now cut crime in half the time with a fast, easy money-saving solution. Introducing the Shitbaggerator, this year's all-new crime deterrence marvel from the makers of Gun for Hire Radio. The Shipbaggerator's compact design makes it quicker and easier to use than jail cells, parole boards, lethal injections, or those costly, outdated electric chairs. Just park your Shipbaggerator in the town square, open the lid, and drop the Shipbag in. It's that simple. There's no wrong way to use it. Back and forth, side to side, round and round, Shipbags go in and come out as a mound. Super sharp stainless steel blades that never need sharpening do all the work. Slice ship bags so thin they only have one side. Built strong to last, they slice through even the toughest ship bags. Murderers, rapists, child molesters, no problem. Just set it to high, and the ship baggerator's powerful patented motor will handle them three at a time. No muss, no fuss, no bogging down. Just pop the top. Drop them in and watch as the powerful counter-rotating blades pull any size ship bag through at two feet per second. Amazing! Cleanup is a breeze. Just rinse with a fire hose or run it through the car wash. There's even a pulse setting for serial offenders. Save up the worst and delight the crowds on the 4th of July. Who needs fireworks when you've got the ship baggerator? And it's portable, so you can take it anywhere. But wait, there's more. For a limited time, we'll send you four additional sets of special stainless steel blades that never need sharpening. So now you can chop, slice, dice, and cube. The ship baggerator and four specialty blades, all for the same low, low price. Unbelievable. So don't wait. Call and get yours today. The ship baggerator is available only at Gun For Hire Radio. Operators are standing by.
and we're, we're back. Juan, <laughs> stop touching me, Juan. So, a quick story uh, before I get into it. You can only hear what goes on. You know, uh, <sighs> so 30 years in the business, I've managed to make a lot of friends, influence a lot of people. We do the right thing. We've donated a little under a half a million dollars to charitable causes. Hey, you in, made a lot of the right enemies, too. Yeah, in 10 years, we've donated about $50,000 a year for 10 years. Not too bad. I don't care about the enemies. I don't want to go to your country club anyway. So listen up. So we hired this new guy, Juan. He's been working here a couple of weeks now. He gets pulled over speeding. In one town, mm-hmm. cop sees his shirt. We know Anthony, gun for hire, good people, let him go. Gets pulled over this morning in the town he lives in, speeding. Cops reads his shirt. Anthony does a lot for the community, lets him go. <laughs> does he not owe me big time, Sandy? Maybe he should slow down a bit. Sandy says you should slow down, Juan. No, I think he should keep speeding, and I'm going to make him a list of stuff I want. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow good. you're going to bring me in this cigar. Next right. Sunday I want an omelet. I want it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make a list of stuff I could do. Yeah. It pays. Mm-hmm. It pays to work at Gun for Hire for sure. Mm-hmm. I get the stories all the time. I got pulled over. I told the cop I was on the way to work. They let me go. Thank you so much. That's It, it pays to, to be the right type of person. Yeah. You know? Right. So maybe people don't want you to know this, but uh, Phil Murphy is in a dead heat with Jack Cittarelli right now. Really? Phil Murphy is in a dead heat in the polling with Jack Cittarelli. Wow. What do you think of that? I, I'm amazed. Right now, they're I, separated I, I, by three. I'm not three. going to renew. I'm not going to, um, to change my, uh, my view of the New Jersey voter until election time. Okay, so yeah, the, the poll that. that was done. A couple of things we should talk about. Number one is Murphy is getting hurt big time by Biden. Biden's ratings are dragging other prominent Democrats down, just like Gavin Newsom is being hurt right now. Yeah. You know, the the number one challenger is a radio host named Larry Elder. He's 69 years old. Yeah. He's African-American. He was born in the hood in California. Yeah. And he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, and he's a successful radio host. He's written numerous very, books very and everything. And I don't know if I discussed it last week, but I think I told the, the L.A. Times, the cover of the magazine said, he is the new black face of the white supremacist party. <laughs> and he's African-American. <laughs> So that shows you how worried the L.A. Times is. Yeah, they sure are. Okay. So Murphy is hurting himself, obviously, with the, the taxes and also with the lockdowns and being associated with Joe Biden. From what I understand from some insiders down in Trenton, Murphy turned down a visit from Kamala or, or Biden to come and campaign for him. Really? Yeah. So you know that's bad. Well, Biden, would you want him campaigning? Nobody would come anyway. They didn't get. He couldn't draw flies on his own presidential campaign. Why would you want this guy? Correct, correct, correct. So uh, it's interesting that they don't want him, you know, there. So uh, (laughs) it's crazy. So anyway, uh, Murphy is right here. He's leading Chitterelli forty-eight to forty-five percent in popularity. But uh, Murphy has a 46 to 52 approval rating, but 53 to 35 percent believe New Jersey is headed in the wrong direction. Why? You can't tax yourself into prosperity? Oh, I, I thought you could. Uh, you can, right? No, Just of keep course. taxing ourselves Just keep taxing into prosperity until you finally get rich. 
And that's what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. So there's another hit Phil Murphy just took, too, now. You know, unfortunately, we don't have a Department of Justice system that wants to investigate, you know, New York and New Jersey for all the people that died. But we just found out under a subpoena and Oprah request that Phil Murphy's top people during the coronavirus were using an encrypted messaging application called Telegram. All the Department of Health officials were using it. And then they deleted it, which deletes everything, and it's encrypted, and no one can see it. And they are not supposed to use that as no, government right. workers. Exactly. Okay, so what does that tell you? Right. They were hiding stuff right from the beginning and into the end. They were doing sneaky shit. Yeah. Right? Anytime you start. Well, I mean, that's the pretty, that's the Hillary Clinton thing. They've been going off book for a long time. So that is what's going on. Uh, they they were doing sneaky stuff, and uh, they got caught, and they deleted the apps, and you can't find it now. So it's no different than, you know, destroying your servers or whatever. There's no history for it. And this just goes to show you, I thought he was going to have the most transparent government, oh, yeah. Murphy. Well, well, that was, Remember? Yeah, that was so it was like Barack Obama had the most transparent government, too. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. No, Barack Obama had no scandals. <clears throat> right, that's true. Yes, exactly. Right, they had no scandals. So these government workers are told they're not supposed to, they're not supposed to carry this stuff, but yet they did anyway. Interesting, right? Yeah, interesting. So I want to I want to read a, a letter to right now, and I want to I want to it's it's not part of the the learning per se, but I wanted to read this for you guys and girls. So I got this from a, a, a lady. I'm going to say her name is M, and she wrote, "Dear Anthony, I am a." blank resident in which my 20-year-old son applied for an FID permit. After completing the application and the fingerprinting a few weeks later, the head of the firearms department in town called my son to let him withdraw the permit. After I gave the township a call to question it, it was told that he was way too far away at school and was unable to leave a firearm locked up in the home located in town. He does not have a criminal record or nothing illegal and all his records came back clean. Only a few issues involving my son as a witness at my house to several incidents, but nothing major. He has a clean record. They felt his school was two hours away and advised him to graduate college and then reapply for his gun permit after letting them know he is a criminal justice major like my father and wanted to be a police officer. They also stated that they didn't want a gun left at my residence without him here and questioned where it would be placed when my son is away at school. No one said he was purchasing anything at the moment, but wanted to acquire the permit and even explained to Linhurst PD it would be locked away in a gun safe if it was purchased. My son's major focus was to acquire the permit and get some training at an academy so he's f familiar with preparing himself and pursuing a law enforcement career. We appreciate any help you were to give us uh, with this. As I was informed, I can pursue this further and violates my son's Second Amendment rights. Hope to hear from you soon. M. Well, here's the deal. There must have been domestics or something at that house because she said my son witnessed incidents at my house. Okay? So what happens in this case is there's a an out that police chiefs can use in every town. It's the law and public safety clause. So what the cops are saying is, well, the kid lives too far away. They don't want to go in the house with just the mom there because there's volatile relationship or something going on. So they're saying that when you graduate college, come back and get a gun. That's not really their right. So she's going to have to pay a lawyer to appeal it because it's really none of their business when you're applying. 
but that law and public safety clause can be used. So if you have a police chief that grew up in town and you were a juvenile delinquent in town, but it was always minor stuff, right? Or maybe your brother was a badass and got, ele- uh, got arrested two or three hundred times or whatever, and he still lived at home with your parents and you were still there and you apply for a permit. The police chief can use that law and public safety clause. Nine times out of ten when it goes before a superior court judge, it's going to get overturned and you're going to get your rights to get your guns. I had a guy once who was a bona fide armed security guard. And uh, his, his, he renewed every two years. He worked for a bona fide security company. He was in his uh, 60s. Well, his son uh, had an opioid addiction. And he had been arrested numerous times, smashed up cars, didn't work or anything. They denied him his carry permit because the son lived in the house with him, hmm. basically taking his livelihood away. Now, here's the funny part. His son, his son, his, his wife worked for the same town. So his wife worked in the town. He lived in the town with his wife. They both had gainful employment. And now the chief was using the public safety clause. He had a hire, Knappen, and it cost him about $3,000. And he won the appeal. And the cops were like, well, you got to have a safe. He goes, I lock my gun up every night when I come in the house. I have a, mm. a locking mechanism. All my guns are locked up. I know I have a son with an addiction problem. Stuff disappears from the house all the time. I do my due diligence. I don't leave my gun laying on my nightstand. After I take a shower and get dressed, I open my safe, I put my gun in my holster, and I leave the house with the safe lock. But he had to spend money. And for like four months during the appeal, he couldn't work. Yeah, so they'll they'll do that. They'll use that clause to push you out. I forgot to start with housekeeping. I'm ignorant, right, because I was excited. Please please support those who support you. Marty's V Burger, martysvburger.com. Go check them out in New York or in New Jersey at Freakin' Vegans in Prospect Park on Freakin' Fridays. Uh, Decoding Firearms by John Petrolino. It's available here or Amazon.com. You also you should join, if you live in New York, nytacdefense.com. nytacdefense.com. Mention Gun for Hire, one word, promotional code, get a discount. U.S. Law Shield, you get a 10% discount if you use promotion Gun for Hire or Gun for Hire Radio. If it doesn't work, call U.S. Law Shield. I've heard people tell me it doesn't work. Find Evan Knappen's Gun Lawyer podcast and listen to it. It's imperative. They're going to use the vaccine to take away your gun rights in the last show. Everyone needs to listen to the Gun Lawyer podcast. Do not forget to support those who support you, the quarantinecrawl.com. It's our chamber of commerce. Buy my book, bitches, Crime Proof <laughs> Book. CrimeProofBook.com. If you stop by the range and I'm here, I'll autograph it for you. I'll be doing it all day. Kudos to Alfred Hayes. Alfred Hayes, Gun for Hire alumni for about 20 years now. Every week, Sandy, Alfred Hayes emails me 8 to 10 people's names. I have to autograph the books and leave them in the back in retail, and he comes in early Saturday or Sunday morning to buy them. He's been giving them away to friends, family members, and co-workers as gifts. He's probably purchased 100 books. Oh, man. <laughs> so That's kudos great. to Alfred Hayes. He says everyone is loving it and enjoying it. Uh, the next thing is you'll talk about your GoFundMe. Later, the NRA annual meeting sadly was canceled in Houston, Texas this weekend. 
Uh, it was canceled because of the coronavirus is spiking everywhere, and all of the large vendors like Sig, Smith & Wesson, and Glock pulled out of the show because a lot of their employees have been getting corona, and they've seen it spread here, there, and everywhere. So because that is happening... They decided to uh, cancel the show, which is sad. It would have been the NRA's 150th anniversary. Okay, yeah, it would have been it would have been deadly uh, if it had gone down. But uh, I don't know where it is next year. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Who even knows if it'll be going on next year? The way things are going, I I don't I don't yeah I really don't know at this point. So I'm just going to play it by ear, uh, one one day at a time. So the range. If you listen to my radio show, there might be a super secret, super soft, sneaky opening going on right now. (laughs) Uh, The old range doors are still open at the moment. You'd enter through there. But if you're a member or you want to be a member, if you come down the back into the retail area and you go up those stairs, you might be in for a surprise. Sometimes you got to stress test stuff out before you go full speed ahead. Yeah. So that's a little hint for all of you. The pieces of the puzzle are almost together on this Labor Day weekend. So phase one is two new ranges on the first floor. One range is 25 port, uh, twenty-five yards, 15 ports, members-only range. Not members-only hours. Not members-only ports. Not any members-only bullshit like that. A full 15-port members-only range. Then we have a 10-port range. People with their own guns, overflow. We will have pop-up quarantine food every weekend. We have vending machines. We have a commercial K-cup machine. We have a large lounge and refreshment area. When the parking lot is done, we'll have 220 spaces. We will have many, many more surprises, a huge retail area, members buyers club, all kinds of swag and shirts and everything Matt is designing. God willing, next year, phase two will open, two more ranges on the second floor, meeting rooms, party rooms, and a 6,500-square-foot members-only cigar lounge. We also will be hosting leagues and matches, so look out for that. That is going to be coming as well. As far as new classes go, Sandy, we got a new class coming out called Prevailing Against the Violent Encounters. Wow. All right. Yeah. This is a this is a good class. This class is uh, was written by Wayne Monaco, is our instructor, and, and a few other guys will be in, assisted instructors. And it's rationale when talking about surviving a deadly force encounter, we must understand that the outcome is partly due to chance, but is largely due to choices we make. There are, are ways to prepare, equip, train, and execute that will greatly enhance our survivability. Every time you choose to do less than what is necessary, you degrade your ability to prevail in a fight. How do you like that? Let me tell you, I think that is kind of prophetic uh, based on what's going on in the Middle East right now, don't you? Uh, I think that with um, all the unrest and the possibility for terrorists who are now equipped with $85 billion worth of United States top uh, military equipment uh, might go through some good training and right through the southern border where there's a, uh, a, a screen door, uh, not a wall. Screen door? There's nothing there. That's there's true. a water slide to get. A water slide. It's true. It's a you water can water slide right into the southern border. That's right. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> very true. Yeah. Sons of bitches. It's amazing. Yep. And and you want to, you really want to um, 
think about your being in condition yellow. I'm getting so yeah. much feedback on my book for that. You know, and then this September, Friday, September 17th, right around the corner, we have the Gun for Hire self-defense class, 5 to 9 p.m. It also includes an autographed copy of my book. So you might want to be interested in something like that. What do you think, Sandy? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. I'm looking at what chapter should I read for the people today? Hmm. <laughs> Automobile safety. No, you're going to tell me when we're running out of time because I don't want to give them too much. If they're cheap, they should have bought my they book. They should have bought the book. You got about uh, 10 minutes. Okay, so you know what? Let's talk about the selecting the best gun and ammunition on page 193. That's okay. Good, yes, I like that. That's what do you good. think? Like 193. Yep. So. Oh, 193 has a picture of decoding firearms on it. Is this my book or John's? <laughs> so this is some of the stuff I write. What's the best gun for you? There is no black and white answer to this question. It depends on your physical limitations, needs, budget, and your state and local laws. I always felt that the best home defense firearm is a handgun. You can wield it with one hand and be on your phone with the other. Pistols are not cumbersome to, cumbersome to move with or without, you know, and, and, and to handle. I tend to like revolvers, but they have limitations on ammunition capacity. In New Jersey, for example, you're limited to 10 rounds of ammo in a semi-automatic, which is still more than the standard six that most revolvers hold. The best way to decide is to seek out a professional and try a few guns, like coming here and you know, we have 300 guns for rent, right? There is also help. You can use the NRA, take a class, or you consider buying the book Decoding Firearms by John Petrolino, which is a soup-to-nuts primer for gun owners and new ones in particular. After you've made a decision on what type of gun you want, whether it be a long gun, pistol, revolver, semi-autic, shotgun, or whatever, you have to think about your budget and the make and model you want. If you live in an anti-gun state, you should be cautious as to what you buy. If you shoot someone with a 7- or 8-inch barrel forty-four Magnum, you could have the prosecutor saying in court that you were a dirty Harry wannabe. If you want a court-proof gun, this is my favorite. If you want a court-proof gun, buy one that is widely accepted by police or military. For example, a 10-millimeter by some prosecutors could be considered extra deadly. But a Glock 19 or 17, which 80% of law enforcement carries, is court-proof. Better yet, call your local police department and ask what service firearm and ammunition they carry. If your police department, if they carry SIG 226 with certain ammo in it, like bulldog ammo or something, that's the gun you should have for home defense. Let's see a prosecutor say that the gun you used wasn't right for defense or it was excessive or anything. Those are cute lawyer tricks, right? Yeah, exactly. And your, your, your lawyer, Evan Knapp and Dan Schmutter or whatever term, well, Dan Schmutter's not criminal, they turn around and say, really? Well, this very department carries that identical gun. Okay? Buying a gun is a game of weighing what works for each individual. Okay? Make sure you don't buy too much or too little gun. For the average person with no disabilities, a 9mm or a 38 caliber would be the right way to go. Other guns would be construed as excessive by law enforcement, but too small of a gun will not have the stopping power you may need. You know, at my range, we pair guns to owners all the time. For example, yeah. women right. have less upper body strength and smaller hands, generally, than men. So their needs are different. People needs, needs change as they get older. People can develop arthritis or carpal tunnel syndrome, which makes their gun needs different. A person's ability to manipulate a firearm can change if they lose strength and dexterity over time. 
All right, the fastest growing segment of gun owners is females. All right, it used to be an old boy network, but now gun purchases are unisex. And I'll tell you, a couple of these guns, like Smith and Wesson Easy Slide, they're beautiful guns. All right. So after you purchase a gun, the next thing to think about is ammunition. You need something that reliably fires through a gun you've, cho you've chosen, but is widely used by police or military. Remember when Zombie Max Ammo was out, Sandy? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is yep. use Zombie Max Ammo. Because a prosecutor will say maybe you don't, you're not in touch with reality. Right. And you thought a zombie was coming in your house and not a bad person. Again, these are cute lawyer tricks, okay? Hollow point ammunition is safer than round nose bullets. Hollow points expand upon impact. For home defense, use hollow point bullets. Make sure you check the laws where you live or you will be uh, with, your uh, you know, with your firearm. Hollow point ammunition may be regulated like in New Jersey. Remember now, you also want to try that ammo in your gun. You want to shoot a few hundred rounds. Don't use range ammo at the range and then go home and load hollow point ammo in your gun without t trying it because it's so expensive. What if it jams the first shot? What if you get light primer strikes? Right. All right? right. So you need to practice with that. And then, you know, accessories. Here's, here's where I'm going to get beat up. I am not an advocate or a huge advocate of lasers, red dot sights, or flashlights on guns. Anything with batteries, I don't like. Yeah. Okay, most shootings happen in a home seven feet or less away from a target, and the average shots fired is three. You don't need a scope to do that kind of work, <laughs> all right? You really should stick to the basic fundamentals. There's less to break, few batteries, fewer batteries to die, and less crap to deal with when things go wrong. Remember the physiological changes you will go through in the course of an adrenaline dump during an escalated force situation and what that may mean concerning your, the gear you select. All right? Decide what your budget on a gun. You know, your house, you're going to need a gun in the bedroom and maybe one in the family room. Both of them should be simplex locks with the same combination in both of those rooms, right? Where do you and your family spend most of your time? If it's the kitchen or family room, you'll want a gun there. If you're in a big, you'll want a gun in the bedroom. Practice getting in and out. What do I put in there? You can put mace and panic buttons hidden around the house as well. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Some people ask, how long can a gun, a gun last? A gun lasts forever, all right? If you keep it cleaned and maintained and oiled, it will last forever. What you should do is, what I do is, every daylight savings time, switch your magazines. If you have a Glock 19 in, as a home defense gun, and you have one magazine in a gun and two magazines loaded in your little simplex safe, daylight savings time, those three magazines should be unloaded and three new magazines should be loaded and put in that gun just because of the spring tension constantly sitting on those magazines. You don't want the springs uh, to lose their memory. So it's once or twice soft. a year, would you do yeah, it? Yeah, once or uh, twice a year, twice I would rather year. do. Yeah. Daylight savings time, great time to change your batteries, smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, everything else, right? Now, How you much were, before you okay. go on, you were mentioning yeah. uh, about seven-foot distance. Yeah. Um, isn't that a great... Uh, opportunity to do training for point and shoot and low light, no light. Oh, point shoulder shooting, low light, no light shooting. You want it to think about this. So visualization and mindset. Unless you're the governor of New Jersey or New York, you don't live in a mansion, right? right. Most people live in a house. So let's say a room is 20 feet. Put furniture in that room. So go into your living room today or your bedroom and stand and say, if somebody was in the room, where would they be? The furthest away from me in the room, I bet you you're going to find it 7 to 10 feet away. Right. So you should be 
practicing at the range with a cue target, a man-sized target, seven to ten feet away, and you should be practicing. You know, there's speed versus accuracy, right? Right. So you don't want to take 15 minutes to fire seven shots, but you also don't want to fire seven shots in three seconds and have them all miss the target. Right. So you have to practice at that point of accuracy where your speed is there, but your accuracy is not suffering. And that comes with repetition, repetition, repetition. Low light, low light. Listen, most ranges are not going to shut the lights off for you. Get yourself a pair of those cardiac, uh, uh, cataract shades that I yeah, uh, did yep. the videos with. Go to a CVS or something after summer and buy a pair of those wraparound ones. Put them on in the range. Practice your workstation, holding the gun out in front of you, loading and unloading, racking the slide, manipulating, whatever, and not breaking your eye contact. The last thing you want to do is manipulate your gun. You want to look down. If a predator is standing seven feet away from you and they see you take your eyes off of them to look down and make sure your gun, if the safety's on or something. Tool or drill. They, the tool or drill, where a man can close in on you in 25 feet in less than three seconds. All right? Boom, boom, boom. And they're right on top of you. Seven feet, they'll be on you in a second. You won't even know what hit you. All right? So you want to practice these scenarios. And you can practice them all in a flat range. Put that target out seven feet, 10 feet, 12 feet tops and practicing, acquiring your target. Listen, have your gun loaded in both of your hands with your finger indexed, resting on the table or the deck of the range. Close your eyes and push that gun out forward and open your eyes and see where your sights are. Keep You can do that at home. Make sure your gun is empty three times. Make sure there's no ammo in the room or anywhere around it. And set up a little mock range in your basement or garage or something. And practice these muscle memory drills. Punch that gun out in front of you. Open your eyes. Damn, look how high I aim. Most people will find if you index your finger, you will find your natural point of aim much more readily. Okay? Mm. Uh, if your finger is pointed out on your, uh, on your strong hand or dominant hand. So practice over and over again point shoulder shooting instinctive shooting low light no light shooting practice workstation workstation is holding the gun out not looking at the gun dropping a mag inserting a new mag racking the slide clearing a jam or whatever i tell people all the time you we become too dependent on our eyes when you drop your mag sandy feel for the next mag feel that there's a bullet uh, up in the, in the mag follower and choke that mag into the uh into the gun yeah and and go up stop looking down again this is not for the green green beginner in the beginning baby steps go through the whole process but after a couple of visits at the range you should start practicing that to make sure that you're not falling apart that you're relying on your senses start practicing one hand okay start practicing one hand that's what I want to do, okay? Uh, practice one hand, because what if you have to call the police department? Right. All right, so maybe you're holding your cell phone. I'm a righty, so I'm holding, the, I'm holding my cell phone in my left hand, and I'm holding the gun out. Now, this is a great time. You're going to glance down. You're going to switch to hands-free. Put the gun, oh, put the gun, put the phone down right. and talk hands-free. This is a great time. We talk about this all the time. By having the gun recording with 911. If the person starts coming towards you, it's taped. Don't come any closer. I have a gun and I will use it. Stop. Don't come any closer. Okay? Boom, boom, boom. We have on tape now. Right. You warning that person. Right. That threat or act of aggression. We have it. 
taped in the police department. Okay, this is the, these are the things we need. You're only as good as your equipment. Get simplex locks. All right, it's in my book. You want to get a simplex lock box. You want to practice that combination. I told you in my bedroom. I have my vitamins. I take a Centrum Silver every day. My Centrum Silver is in my little gun lock box in my nightstand with a Glock 19, one mag in the gun, round in a chamber, two extra mags, two flashlights, light stick with a front door key on it, and I have my vitamins in there. And every day I open that box up, 365 lessons a year of opening that box. Yep. I also have another simplex in my living room. Uh, Mount it under my coffee table. I have a pull-out drawer in a crate and barrel coffee table. I have one in there, too. It is the same code. And I have the same outfit in my living room that I have in my bedroom. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Now, if you go to my safe in my den, on the top shelf of my safe, I have a cigar box with the top cut off of it. I have the same layout there. I have a semi-auto. I have light sticks. I have three magazines and two flashlights. So I have three, six, nine magazines, six flashlights, three sets of keys, three light sticks. I only have one thing of vitamins, though, which I have in, in my <laughs> nightstand. All right. And the two, the two gun safes, the gun lockers have the simplex lock on them. My safe obviously didn't has a digital keypad. So suspenders and a belt, suspenders and a belt. And again, visualization and mindset. Sit in your house, your condo or apartment. If someone broke in, where would we be? What would I be doing? What with this? How should I do this? How should I do that? You have to go over this over and over again. And it, listen, if you're the alpha, male or female, you know what you got to do. It's going to be very hard for you to get other people in your house on board. Right. They're not going to want to do it. Right. If you're lucky enough to have someone who's going to ride or die with you and is interested in the plan, it makes life that much more interesting. But, it, you know, because you're going to get that phone call from your significant other. I heard a noise outside. How do I get into the gun case now? And you're thinking, son of a bitch, I'm going to give him or her the combination to the gun safe because they forgot it. And they haven't shot a gun in two years because I took them one time and they were afraid. Yep. That's right. I'm going to be more afraid at right. this point. Yep. I'm still going to let give them the combo because I'd rather them have a gun than not have a gun. But I'm going to be scared shit because of that person is not fully prepared right. and trained to take it to the next level. Exactly right. Right, and this is the problem that we have when people take it too lightly. Yeah, you know, I didn't think I'd be the one. I didn't think. Uh, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it would ever happen to me. You know how many times I hear uh, that in my business all the time. I I, I had. Yeah. We've talked about these stories. I've talked to rape victims. I've talked to people who were violently robbed and beat up, stabbed, shot. Okay, I've been under the gun on a couple of things, too. I had a woman, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about this many, many years ago. She came for a lesson, boy, with her father. Boy, was she scared shit. Her first apartment, she was in her mid to late 20s. She was renting an apartment, a first-floor apartment in Rutherford. Not a basement, but a first floor of like a three-family house. She woke up in the middle of the night. You know when you get that premonition? Yeah. She woke up in the middle of the night, opened her eyes, and then went back to sleep. When she woke up the next morning, she saw that her, her, her bedroom and her living room was completely tossed, purse and everything. Cell phone was missing, money was missing, credit cards were missing, everything. She looks to her right. When she went to sleep that night, she left her bedroom window open like three inches. Mm -hmm. Her bedroom window was open 18 inches, and the screen was cut. She looks out the window, and there's a garbage can turned upside down under the window. 
Man, was she lucky. She had someone in her apartment. Yeah. Okay, this was a woman in her mid to late 20s, and she could have been raped. She could have been killed. She could have been kidnapped. Who knows what could have happened? Right. You want to talk about spooked? Yeah. Completely, yeah. completely spooked. And why? There's cheap ways to lock that window to prevent someone from getting in. Absolutely. There's cheap alarm options today. Right. People will go out and spend $10,000 on furniture, and they won't buy an alarm system for 300 bucks. Exactly. Right. And today, cameras are so cheap, and alarms, and sensors, and everything. I mean, in my book, I have just that little door alarm that you can use for hotels and dorms. Well, shit, you can use that for your house or apartment when you first move in. You're right. Any little line of defense, a $15, 120-decibel alarm with two metal contacts that slide into door jam, that if somebody opens the door, it completes the circuit and lets out a screaming noise, and it hangs from the doorknob. They are literally $12. Okay, and her, she could have used, if her dad, which we talked about, her dad went over and with a 3 drill bit, he drilled two holes through her window frame, uh, the, the double-hung windows, Yeah. and slid a nail in. That was, yeah, that's and it. That's it. I'm it. I'm done. Talk, are we done? We are. Talk about your uh, VHS, please. We are raising money for veterans in need of memory care and homebound veterans. Um, And anything you can do, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, a hundred bucks, anything you can do. It takes about a hundred dollars a day to provide care to these folks. They are forgotten uh, individuals, and we do not want to forget them. Please. Uh, GoFundMe.com, VHS Victor Hotel Sierra of Ocean County. VHS of Ocean County. Uh, anything you guys can do, we would really love it. Um, well, it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a kinetic media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. A happy uh, Labor Day to everyone and uh, to all our non-shellfish eating friends. Uh, we do wish you a very, very happy and blessed uh, Rosh Hashanah. Um, September 11th is coming up, and you oh, yeah. heard the uh, you heard the tribute. So we love you guys. Share it with people. And don't ever forget. Yes. From sea to the shine.